0: Thanks for joining us on The Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. We started this new series on the end zone. It's talking about end times and how that we all can say, you know, we are certainly counting down in this world to the ending of this world. I was raised in a church in which that Preaching about the second coming of Jesus or end times was a very popular teaching that they taught, I mean, over and over and over, and they taught it so real that you could almost feel the Lord coming almost any time, and actually, it was so real that as a kid growing up, when I would come back in the house, and it was dark, and it was late, and uh, I didn't see anybody, or I didn't hear my parents I had the first thought, I've got to go in and find and make sure they're here because I sure wouldn't want to know that I'd miss the rapture. That's a horrible feeling. I read, this is a true story about a guy by the name of Herbert Washington. He was one of those guys that was always talking to his people that worked with him and going overboard about end times and not really doing it in a loving way but really pressuring them and, and condemning them. So they got together and they decided they were going to pull a prank on Herbert. So one day when he went to the restroom, they all took off their uh, clothes that they wore. They had a a garment they had to wear for their job. And they dropped them all around the room. And And they went and hid in the supply closet. And so when Herbert came out, the, uh, the janitor who was a, uh, a Muslim, a very vocal Muslim, was running around in circles and saying, I don't know where they went. I missed them. I missed them. I missed them. Where are they? And so Herbert thought the rapture happened and he missed it. So he, true joy, he grabbed his heart and fell over to the ground and he said, oh Jesus, I knew you would miss me and I knew you'd forget me and I've missed the rapture. He had a heart attack. They had to call the ambulance and rush him to the hospital, and his co-workers came out and said, oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't certainly mean to give him a heart attack, but we're just paying him back for how he's always talking about that, so he had to have bypass surgery, but the good news is he came through the, the surgery, okay, and the last thing his wife said is that he's really digging into the Word uh, with everything that he has to be sure that he knows more about the coming of the Lord. So I don't want to scare you, don't want you to have a heart attack today, but I do want you to know that we need to be understanding about that Jesus is coming I believe the church has fallen to the other extreme some of us it's been so long since we've heard preaching about the second coming or maybe even some of us that we don't even think much about it but you know we know, we think a lot about the first coming of Jesus in fact we have a holiday Christmas right and uh, but that's talked about 129 times in the Bible But do you understand that the second coming of Jesus is talked about 329 times? Almost three times more about the second coming of Jesus. So you tell me, is this topic worth our focus today? If the Bible says three times more, three times more important, so I want to bring some importance to that. So I ask you to turn to Thessalonians. We'll look in First Thessalonians chapter 4, a very familiar passage for a lot of Christians. And you may be new, and you may be a new Christian, you may be new to church, and you say, you know, this is all kind of weird and think about Jesus is coming back. You know, you're right. But when you think about how weird it was in the first time that prophesied Jesus, God would be born of a virgin. He would be, uh, give his life for lost. I mean, that's, that's pretty weird too when you think about it, but I'm glad that it happened. So let me give you a little text, context of 1 Thessalonians. The church at Thessalonica were really committed to the return of the Lord, the second coming. Paul had done such a good job of preaching that Jesus is coming that the Thessalonians believed that he could come any day. He could come Monday. He could come Tuesday. And so they looked really for his imminent return immediately, immediately. But it wore on. There were weeks and months and uh, a year that has passed. And now some of their friends are dying. And so they're in a panic. And so they send a letter to Paul or they send a note to Paul or a message that, you know, have we missed it? Have we missed the rapture? Has it already happened because we've got people dying and we haven't seen it happen yet? So Paul writes back 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, all about the second coming of Jesus. So when you read this passage in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 about the rapture or the second coming of Jesus, don't neglect the rest of 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians. Keep them in context because they give us a lot of clues to be able to understand the second coming just a little better. So Paul writes back to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. I heard a woman once, she changed the quote in that, the comma, and she said, here's what I think. I don't want you ignorant, me, you ignorant brethren. Uh, but that's not what it says. It says, but I don't want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep here just means those who have died. Jesus used that when he talked about Lazarus. He's not dead, he's just fallen asleep. And Paul uses the same language. I like it when they say fallen asleep as a Christian. Because what that means, Jesus is saying, look, it's not hard for me. It's not hard for me to raise the dead. It's like waking somebody who's asleep. So, yeah. So, anyway, he said, so if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. Would you underline that phrase, coming of the Lord, the parousia, the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself, look at all this, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a what? So circle that, with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, that's always loud, right? And with the trumpet of God. I've never heard a silent trumpet, have you? And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Would you underline that phrase? Look at that phrase. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That's where we get the word, uh, people get the word and use the word rapture. Rapture means caught up. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. I'm going to come back on that word meet. So I hope you're taking notes today because you're going to need these notes. And if not, you go back and listen to them later. But especially as we're in these end time things, I'd really encourage you to use your journal, to use your notes and to take notes. So we're going to meet the Lord in the air and thus we'll always be with the Lord. Read verse 18 with me. Therefore comfort one let's read it together out loud therefore comfort one another with these words what words the words that he's just talked about so I'm going to talk about this week and next week three great truths today I want to talk just about one so that it's not a pointless teaching I have one point today and here it is be enlightened Christ is coming again would you say that with me be enlightened Christ is coming again I want you to know about this. Paul Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have died. I don't want you to be ignorant about the second coming. And so I'm going to give you some understanding. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss in regard to what happens when a believer dies. Ignorance is not bliss in regard to what happens to us in the end times. Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. How many of you love that promise? You believe in that promise? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. The early church believed that so much that they would greet one another with this word, Maranatha. Say that with me, Maranatha. It just simply mean, meant our Lord is coming. In other words, every day they woke up, they had a deep anticipation that Jesus is coming back. Since last Sunday, when we talked about that, and I ask you, when you get up in the morning, one of the first things you do is to say, perhaps today is the day. Have you done that? I mean, I've done that. I've changed my thought. I get out of bed. You know, well, I throw my legs over the outside of the bed there and get ready so I can get up. And uh, I used to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. But now I'm saying, this could be the day. Terry, this could be the day. This could be the day that he comes back. And, and so I just, it just it just changes uh, just changes something. There's an anticipation that he could come back. Now, if you're not ready, it just scares the bejesus out of you, right? But if you are ready, and if you're scared today, before you leave today, you can take care of that. The rapture. Let's look at this rapture. It means to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. People say, well, it says caught up. It doesn't say rapture. And um, years ago, When I was uh, just starting out in preaching, I used to say, the rapture's not in the Bible. It's not there. It can't be found. The concept is there, but the word is not. But if you read the Bible from the Latin Vulgate translation, the word there that uh, Jerome used is rapere, rapere, from which we actually get the English word from Latin, rapture. And it means to be caught up, to be transported from this earth to the clouds. To meet the Lord in the lower stratosphere and it's not sometimes you see those pictures where it shows Jesus in the clouds and people just kind of gently rising to meet him no man it isn't gonna be like that it says in the moment in a twinkling of an eye I mean that's faster than, than you can even think about it's like one moment you're here boom you're, you're there with him it's like one moment you're in a grave if you're a believer and boom you're I mean it's faster than boom I don't know what faster than boom is, but it, it's just that way. So it's not a lingering thing. It's just, it's just instantaneous. That way he says, you know, one should be in a field, one taking the other left, you know. Uh, two be flying, one taking, one take left, the other, something like that. And so it's just, it's just so quick, and we're with him. Now, how many of you believe that, that he is coming? Uh, you, you believe that? I, th- I think we could almost get a unanimous vote. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, the question was, how many of you believe that he's coming? Now, the second time, you probably raise your hand. <laughs> So, and uh, some of you are saying, I don't want to raise my hand because I don't want him to come just yet because I'm not ready. That would be a horrible feeling. I've been a believer since I've been about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine. I mean, so I've never really had that time of what if he came and I wouldn't be ready. I didn't think about that so hard. That didn't hit me that hard in the first service. But maybe there's somebody watching online or somebody that's in here today. And when I talk about the second coming of Jesus, and there's no more chances to become a believer. And when Jesus comes, your destiny is settled. Either spend eternity with him in heaven forever and ever and on the new earth, or to be eternally separated from him in a place called the lake of fire and brimstone. Wow. But he's coming. Whether we're ready or not, he is coming. Now... We can all settle on that, right? But since the time of the church fathers, the first century, there's been much discussion and sometimes robust debate about when he's going to come and the data of all of that. And there's been different details. I have a, I've been granted, I went to seminary, and I have a Master's of Divinity degree. That is interesting, isn't it? Isn't that presumptuous to think that I have mastered God things. Yeah. There's no, there's no way. How can you master God things? I mean, just have, uh, so you, you think you hear somebody talk about you know, this position or that position or something else, and you listen to that and you say, boy, that's good. And then somebody else says, but here's another scripture. What do you think? Oh, yeah, but that's good. And, and here's another way to look at that. But you know what? The other day I listened, and I'll, I'll give this resource to you in just a minute. The other day I listened to a two and a half hour round table with men that are very learned, that love God, love him with all their hearts, and they were talking about different times of the second coming of Jesus. That some said, you know, he's coming before the rapture, pre-trib he's coming before any trouble comes to the church he's going to get the church out we're going to save and we're not going to be martyred we're not going to go through trouble the big trouble and uh so so did a great job of teaching that and then next guy came along and he was talking about how that it's after the tribulation that we're actually uh the second coming of Jesus and I thought boy that's a good scripture yeah I can believe in that wow I yeah I see see holes now in the other and I, I see something else and then another one comes along and he talks about uh all millennial that this is a long entire process that when Jesus said you don 't enter into a strong man 's house until you first bind him that's what that 's what you see when people say in the end time Satan will be bound for a season, so that could be that that he's bound he can't do everything that he wants and so right now he's Jesus is ruling and reigning through his church on this earth And that's why he says that we need to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done And I looked at that and I thought whoa. Yeah, I like that So they debated that for two and a half hours and uh, and i'm beginning to look at that and i'm going to say wow Yeah, all of those are good and and I can believe all those but here's here's what I want you to hear at the end of the two and a half hours they looked across the table at one another and they said this the end result is we are not really sure about all the data but we're sure of this without a shadow of a doubt one of these days he is coming in the clouds of glory as Acts said and he's going to set up his kingdom on this planet earth so what do we do today I'm going to give you to be enlightened so Today's not one of those things that, you know, you maybe it won't be motivated to really like j- jump up and shout. But I-, I want you to be enlightened about different understandings of the coming of Jesus. The reason I want you to do that is because some of you have never heard. I was raised in a church where they taught, that's all I ever heard, was pre-trib rapture. That before there were a great tribulation on this earth, tribulation means thalipsis, which means pressure, difficult. It's the same word Jesus said when he said, in this world you'll have trouble. So it's the same one. It's the same one. It's not two. There's not two. He's just saying there's trouble, and then there's great trouble, all right? So anyway, I was raised with that because that's the only thing I ever heard. And so some of you, and some of you are online, that's that's all you've ever heard. Now listen to me this morning. I'm not out to change your understanding if If that happens, and quite honestly, I wish it would happen, that would save us a lot of pressure. But in all honesty when i when I look at the scriptures, all that Paul talked about in first Thessalonians, I can't really see that. But here's the reason I'm doing that. It's because I don't want you to think that you're going to get off with the church and not face great tribulation or not face the uh, the rise of the Antichrist and see that. I, I don't want you, because what would happen then, if you think, wow, wow, the rapture happened before that ever, ever it came about, then I've missed it, so I must be lost. And you give up hope of Jesus. Look, what I'm talking today about is that I want you to have hope that no matter when he comes, it'll all pan out and we'll go with him, all right? I'm not, and when he comes back... I'm not going to throw to him, Tim, you're not going to throw up your Dakes annotated study Bible and say, but that's not how Dake said it was, right? When he comes, guess what? I don't have time to debate. In a moment of a twinkling of an eye, he's going to look and see that I'm covered by the blood, and I know and looking for him, and boom, I'll be in his presence, and it'll be worth it all then. So here's what I'm going to say to you as we look at these different things today. In essentials, we practice unity. Say that with me. In essentials, we practice unity. What are essentials? Essentials are things that are a must. The Trinity. We're unified in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right? Right? That's that's a must. We don't don't change that. Uh, Only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's an essential, right? That's an essential. Now, a non-essential... Could be are you pre-trib mid-trib post-trib all millennial where are you that's a non-essential and in non-essentials we practice liberty and love you can discuss you can have a healthy discussion but you don't fall out with other Christians and get mad at them that's just a trick of the devil So read it with me. In essentials, we practice unity. In non-essentials, we practice liberty and love. Listen, don't get so caught up in the data that you miss the matter. Whoa, I'm going to start rapping. Don't practice. No, no, we won't do that. I'm working on it. Andrew said I couldn't sing that song, so we won't do that. So to be enlightened, I want to give you some resources, some resources that have really helped me. One is this book, and you can see it on the screen. You can take a sc- screenshot of that if you didn't download your notes. I'd encourage you to download your notes because it's in that. This is a book called Kingdom Come by Sam Storms. Kingdom Come by Sam Storms. And it's an all-millennial view of the coming of the Lord. Sam Storms is a great pastor. He was a theologian. He, was, went to, he attended Dallas Theological Seminary and was a die-in-the-wool pre-trib uh, rapture, a theologian study as they teach at Dallas Theological Seminary, and most evangelical churches follow along that same line. But he said, I began to study and look at other scriptures, and I wasn't quite sure that they would all fit into that. So the next thing I have there is a a YouTube. It's a two and a half hour uh, round table that I talked about, and it's an evening of eschatology with uh, John Piper, Hamilton, Wilson, and Sam Storms. Various degree, various uh, understandings, and different things. Another book is this one by Jack Haverd, and it's called Equake. And it's really a a non, uh, it's really a sensical approach at interpreting the book of Revelation. You cannot interpret the book of Revelation, which is a prophetic book, with a linear West mindset. Like, oh, chapter 1, this happens. Chapter 2, that happens. No, because you see, in a prophetic book, these prophets are out here flying around in the spirit. And all of a sudden, God will give them a revelation from the viewpoint of, G- of Israel. He'll give them a viewpoint from the church. He'll give them a viewpoint from Jesus. He'll give them a viewpoint from this. And so when we try to line it up linear with our thinking, we all get messed up. So Jack Hayford, there's a good way that he can help us with that. Another book that's brand new, I don't have it to show it with you today, I have it on uh, Audible, and it's called Tipping Point by Jimmy Evans. Tipping Points is a very great book on pre-trib rapture. He does a great job of interpreting the scriptures, and uh, I agree with everything that he says in that, except I think that he... He misses maybe some of the timing, but you know, he's smarter than I am, but that's his commitment. That's where he is. So some of you who, who look at that, don't just read after the person that you totally believe in. Get an understanding that there are other ways to interpret this. And then there's also your spirit-filled study Bible dealing with last things, and I'll talk some about that in just a moment. And then One of my professors from seminary is Dr. J. Rodman Williams. He has a three-volume set called Renewal Theology. Renewal Theology 1, 2, and 3. Volume 3, you can see it's a big book, is on the church and uh, end times. But the other thing is, you can also go, did I give this to you? You can also go to RenewalTheology.net. RenewalTheology.net. And there's all kinds of questions in there about when can I, the rapture happen? Uh, what is the mark of the beast? What does 666 mean? And there's just practical things that you can see there, all right? Uh, if you have a spirit-filled study Bible, let me show you one of the things that's really important. Uh, after the book of Jude, so if you've got your spirit-filled study Bible, my page here is 1682, page 1682. And the amazing thing about the spirit-filled study Bible, listen to this. Jack Hayford, who's spirit-filled, one of the greatest theologians, I think, balanced, who ever lived. And uh, here's what they say about all the different interpretations they have here. The New Spirit-Filled Study Bible does not embrace any conclusive point of view concerning the popular discussed subjects, the end-time subjects. Rather, it seeks to help fellow Christians clearly understand one another's viewpoints. So in there, then it has the premillennial Pre trib view, then it has the premillennial post trib view, then it has the premillennial mid trib, then it has the partial rapture view. Then it has the premillennial pre-wrath rapture view. You didn't know there were that many many understandings, right? And then there was the evangelical, post-millennial view. And then there's St. Augustine's, early church father, all-millennial view. And then the second all-millennial view in that. And uh, I'm not going to go through all of those, and I'm not going to give you definitions of all of those. I just want you to know this. There are different interpretations, and it could be that the Lord could show up in the midst of all of that and something new we haven't even studied. But my inclination is, first of all, he is coming. And my inclination is he's not going to rescue us out of trouble. You, you just can't, you can't see that anywhere in the Bible. He never rescued anybody out of all trouble. And uh, uh, people that believe in the church is going to be rescued, their main verse that they look at is Revelation 3 and 10. This is their key verse that they look at, at a lot. It says, because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall not come upon the whole world, to, to test those who dwell on the earth, Revelation 3 and 10. So people who believe in easy out, the rapture of the church, which we all could say, you know, we hope that happens. But in all reality, I doubt that happens when I understand how people are paying the price around the world today with their life. That word there, to keep you, When you study it, it could also mean I will keep you from the faith-destroying effects of the hour of your trial. I will keep you in the midst of this. I will keep your faith in the midst of every difficulty that you face. So a couple of things have changed my mind. And here's what I, one of the things is simply this. I don't see two comings. I see one coming in the Bible second coming I, I see his first coming and then a second coming I don't see a third coming or a partial coming sneaking away and then Jesus comes back and again I'm gonna pull that out of Thessalonians so you can see it I want you to see it in Thessalonians I'm not pulling it out of Daniel I'm not pulling it out of somewhere else I want to pull it out of the same book that that Paul says you rejoice in the rapture let me help you to understand so we're going to find that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, if you'll turn there, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, at the second coming, Jesus comes to rescue and judge. He comes to repay evil, and he, he comes to give relief to Christians at the same time. It's not, he, he does, gives relief to the Christian, takes them back to heaven, and then comes back to judge. You, you don't see that. Look at this. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. So he's saying, when the Lord comes back, he's going to afflict. He's going to pay back those that have persecuted you. Those that that have done you in. Those that have, have afflicted you in these last days. He said, the Lord is coming to repay with affliction those who afflicted you or persecuted you. Because of your belief in Jesus. In verse 7. Not only that. Not only is he going to deal with them, but he's also going to give you relief because you've been afflicted. So look at that. When the second coming happens, he's going to bring judgment upon evil, and he's going to bring relief to you. But how's he going to do that? Then in the next part of that verse, he says, For when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven, right? The rapture revealed from heaven, the trumpet, all of that, with his mighty angels, not a secret gathering away. He's going to deal out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in the saints of that day. When you rise to be with him, we're going to be in a glorified state. And so when you rise as saints glorified, and to be marveled at among those who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. So you see that? At that second coming, at the coming of Jesus, there's going to be paying back for evil, and there's going to be a relief for those that are faith believers. There's also another reason that I believe that's not an easy out is because the scriptures say there's going to be a falling away in the midst of this great tribulation. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3. Look at that. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3. Now, brethren, concern the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Concerning the rapture, he's saying, and our being lifted up with him. We say, don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, by spirit, by word, or letter. As if Christ has already come. He says, don't let anything that somebody would write or somebody would say shake you up. And you think that because you're in trouble that you've missed the rapture, the easy way to get out. But he says this, let no one deceive you by any means. For the day will not come unless the what? Unless the falling away. A falling away. And the word is, you're right there, apostasy. The Greek word is apostasia, which means rebellion, departure from the word. And it's not the apostasy of unbelievers. It's the apostasy and the falling away of believers. This week when I was praying, I thought, I wonder if COVID-19 is part of that process of the falling away of believers who feel like, well, I don't need church anymore, In fact, I've heard several pastors say, I'm never going to go back to church as was before. We're going to do everything on the internet and online. And I think in the book of Acts, they did both. They met, they didn't do online, but they met house to house and they met in corporate worship. And I'm seeing a lot of people, it's easy for them to stay home. Oh, we use the thing, yes, wear a mask, you know, sanitize, separate, do all of those things. But I think if we're not careful, the spirit of this age will cause us To begin losing. Uh, One time we used to have a passion for the Lord. A passion for his return. But now we're beginning to lose that. So he says listen. The tribulation will come. And it will get so bad. That there's going to be a falling away of my church. Falling away of believers. He says. That day will not come. Unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition. He said there's going to be a falling away. And in the midst of that falling away you're going to see a revelation of the rise of the spirit of the Antichrist, whether that's a spirit or whether that's a man. Uh, That's all to the interpretation. So when we say, we're going to get out of here, and then the Antichrist will come, and all those things will happen, the mark of the beast, all those things for whatever that is, we can talk more about that later. You can use some of the other research there. I'm just saying to you, don't be mistaken. If the Lord pulls us out, I'm saying, whoopee, 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 hallelujah, hallelujah. But if he doesn't, I want to be faithful to the end and not fall away and I want to be more passionate than ever listen when you leave today and you hear bad news this week somebody says well this happened or that happens you say to them hey would you like to hear some good news Well, good news I don't know good Jesus is coming back are you ready to meet him he's gonna make everything wrong right and what an opportunity to be evangelistic with this first Peter I won't turn to that right now chapter 4 verse 17 says judgment begins in the house of the Lord Let's go to the words of Jesus. When will the end come? When will the rapture happen? Jesus says this in Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then, look at that. Immediately after the tribulation, then, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. When, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven and power and great glory. There's no second chance, no second chance. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four corners, from one end of heaven, one end of the heavenlies, heaven and earth to the other. So when I look at that, in all honesty, guys, in all honesty, I have to say it's not that he's going to lift us out of great trouble. He's going to carry us through that trouble so that we can be a witness, so that we can help others. But he is coming back. We're not going to go through the wrath. I don't know how you understand that. But he is coming back to bring relief to us and to bring judgment to others. The second thing that helped me, that, that brought clarity to me is the understanding of the word meeting. That we shall rise and we shall meet him in the air. That, uh, the, the word there is up on upon Up on we'll meet him. And there's only two times that is used in the New Testament. Matthew 25 and 6 and Acts 28 and 15. Matthew 25 and 6. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Up on tasing. The bridegroom is coming. So we're not going to wait till he gets here. We're going to go out to meet him. And when we go out to meet him, we're not going somewhere else with him. We're not going to heaven and then coming back. We're going out to meet him in the clouds, and then we're going to immediately come back to the earth with him, and he's going to set up his kingdom. Now, second verse, Acts chapter 28. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard that we were coming, and they came out to meet us. There's the word again, at the forum, at the Appian Way. And others joined us at the three taverns for some spirits. No, it doesn't say that. So here's the word. Paul is coming into rome and so he said and we went out Apatesi to meet him not so that we go somewhere else but so that we meet him and then we come back into Rome together. So the best, my inclination is, the best way that I can understand this is, when that trumpet sounds, when that angel gives a voice, and when Jesus says, it's not a secret getaway, then that I'm going to spend seven years somewhere in heaven, and all hell breaks loose, and his church is, is not here. The best understanding I can meet is that when that trumpet sounds, I'm going to meet him in the lower atmosphere, in the clouds, just as he went away, I'm going to meet him in the clouds, and there I'm going to meet with the angels in it's going to be riding that white horse, and maybe it's an some extra horses for us. I don't know. And then we come back to this earth, and he puts Satan under his feet for all of eternity, and he creates a new heaven and a new earth, and there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more divorce. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sex trafficking. There will be no more COVID-19. There will be no more difficulty, and we who, are, who believe in him shall live with him forever. Here's what it says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions and rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I'm claiming that and I'm believing that. But I've got to ask you one, one last question. Which of these categories do you fit in? Anyway, the camera picked this up. I can't make it as big as I want. Which of those categories do you fit in right now? Those categories stand for born once, died twice, born twice. Died once. You see, this category is a category without Jesus, that you're lost. If the Lord were to come back right now, if the trumpet were to sound, you're not ready. You're you're not ready. You see, you were born once. Your mother pushed you out. Doctor slapped you on the butt. You cried. But you're going to die twice. You're going to die a physical death. And then you're going to die a spiritual death. Eternally separated in darkness away from Jesus. Man, I hope you're not in that category. And if you are, I hope you make a change this morning. This category, born twice, die once. Or if the rapture happens, die no, right? Born twice. Physical birth and a spiritual birth. I'm born again, so I'm gonna only die once. Physical death. You know, I'm 70. I'm getting closer to 100, so you know, I figured that's a good time there to go. But I only die once. I'm gonna die when they Raylan and I were talking about this yesterday. I'm an organ donor. I hope everybody is, so they take everything away from me that can be used. And they burn me, bury me, sprinkle my ashes, do whatever they want. Because I'm not going to die again. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. When that trumpet sounds, all the little pieces, wherever you are, going to come back together. Come back together, and that resurrected body, you'll be with the Lord, to be with Him forever and ever and ever. Face to face with the Lord. We'll meet Him in the air. Oh, I love that old song. There's another old song, Andrea. There's going to be a meeting in the air. ha, <laughs> ha. Akin will give me that song tomorrow. He'll give me all the words to that. Let's pray. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. Lord, who are we to tell you when to come? The early church, the Jews, they had it all figured out, how you would come, when you would come. But when you came in a way that they didn't figure as a little baby born in a manger, they rejected your coming. Lord, we humble ourselves before you today to say that we're not so arrogant that we've got everything wrapped up in a nice pink bow, and this is exactly how you do it. We just simply say, Lord, Maranatha, we know you're coming. But Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that's never invited you into their heart, they're not ready, or if there's someone here today that there's a falling away and they've been drifting from you, I pray, Lord, they'll rededicate their life to you with every head bowed and every eye closed as you're here today and those of you that are watching online, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart and your life or if you used to know him and you've grown cold in your experience, you say, you know what? I feel like I'm drifting. I've become so occupied with this world that I encourage you to make this decision. Let me lead you in a prayer today. Scripture says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the resurrected one, He is the Lord. I'll be saved. So if you're here in this house today or if you're watching online and you say, Terry, I'm not ready to meet him, would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you today. Or you say, you know what? I've grown cold in the Lord. I need to turn up the heat a little bit. I need to get close to him. I don't want to miss him. Let me pray with you and for you today. Those of you that are in the house and those of you that are watching, just pray this prayer with me. Father God, Thank you for loving me, for caring for me, for dying on the cross for my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. I wanna serve you all the days of my life. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.